1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Get your fix on The Morning Spiel, right here on 1033 WKMZ.
0: I'm a big fan of Tuesdays. I didn't used to be. I'm a much bigger fan of Tuesdays now. Arguably, and I'm pretty sure the guy I have on the phone right now has argued this before, that Tuesday is the worst day of the week. I think I've heard him argue this before. Uh, the question is, why have I heard him argue this before? It's because this guy, if he had not gone into journalism, I think he would have gone into law because this guy likes to argue, and he's good at it. I think, I think, I, I'm I'm pretty sure he said this before. But I I used to hate Tuesdays, worst day of the week. Okay, worst day of the week. You are so far from Friday, and you're expected to be actually productive. You can't make the excuse that you can on Mondays. When you're a little, you know, a little tired from the weekend. Yada yada yada. No, you can't do that. Tuesdays are the worst day. But now they're much better because we talk Mountaineer football every single Tuesday. We might even sneak in some basketball today with uh, our good friend Mike Osti of West Virginia Sports. Now, Mike, what's going on, man?
1: Not much. I, I am trying to make the best of this Tuesday. So, yes, Tuesdays are better because I get to talk to you. But Tuesdays are the worst day of an average week, 100%. At least you have... Monday you can remember the previous weekend like I can remember being in sunny Florida covering (laughs) West Virginia at UCF. The team can remember the victory. But then you get into Tuesday those memories are gone. It's about this week. You don't even have hump day and where you're closer to the weekend. You don't have Thursday where people are mentally kind of checked into the weekend. Friday obviously kind of there. Then the weekend and Tuesday offers none of that. So Tuesday is the worst day of the week. It's better right now. And also, you're correct again. My my grandma used to always say that I should have been a lawyer. My dad was a lawyer; had a lot of lawyers in the family. But instead, I went into journalism. I became a multimedia journalist, and I am instead arguing with people like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and arguing on Twitter, which is or X, uh, as right. As the, the I also folks.
1: do yeah. argue on Twitter, which yeah. yes. So I don't know if I would have been better off or not, but I'm I'm living some kind of dream, <laughs>
0: nonetheless. Uh, so. I guess how was, I mean, from what I, by all accounts, from what I heard, the Florida experience was great. How was your Florida experience?
1: My Florida experience was phenomenal. I've been to Florida many, many times, and this was one of the better ones for sure. I was able to cover a game down there at UCF, first time covering a game there, a lot of new facilities, not just for the football program, obviously, a lot of money floating there, and now they're in the Big 12, obviously. Also, the soccer program, who's it, had some conversations with some colleagues over there about the UCF soccer program and how they also were kind of the nemesis of WU, that after they beat Marshall, UCF still got the number one spot in some of the polls. So, that was kind of cool to experience that campus. Orlando's not maybe the, the fun atmosphere that people think Miami is, but I did go out the night after the game because it was a noon game, so I saw... A friend of mine I haven't seen in a while that you met at my wedding a couple years ago and got to go out in downtown Orlando. So, I had fun. I know Neil Brown in West Virginia <laughs> had some fun and maybe had some more fun than people thought they would have. UCF, on the other hand, it was homecoming. They didn't have some fun. They still haven't won a game in the Big 12 after so many years of arguing. They were just on par and claim- claiming a uh, what I call a fake championship. And yet they go join the Big Twelve when they can't get a W and Shaq was there for homecoming and didn't work out too well. Whatever they paid Shaq, I don't know if they <laughs> maybe want that that money back because it wasn't a great day for UCF, was a great day for the Mountaineers. But they obviously now need to keep it up and get over the memories of Florida because we now are into Tuesday. They are now into preparing for the new week. They are back home and they have BYU.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, I guess first, before we, we switch gears into what was talked about yesterday, just your reaction to West Virginia's win on on uh, s- Saturday. We'll give you the final word before we switch gears.
1: As I said to you going into the game, it was a must-win game for West Virginia. and Yeah, they might have been able to crawl into a bowl game even with that loss, but in order to have any type of special season and in order for anybody to really trust this climb and, for people to be excited about Neil Brown probably coming back, and especially when you start 4-1, you had to get that win. You couldn't crawl in and win one or two games in your you know, final five or so. No, they had to get that win, and they did. And the way the game unfolded was kind of the way West Virginia was going to get that win. UCF can score, so it wasn't going to be some 17-6 game like the back brawl was. I never thought that. But West Virginia was able, unlike Oklahoma State, to capitalize off turnovers, They still made some mistakes, of course. They're never going to play a perfect game. But Garrett Green played a cleaner game. He played a smarter game. I could argue, I don't know if the stats tell me this, I know he has had more eye-popping stats, like even Houston, but I think Garrett Green maybe played his best game as a starting quarterback for the Mountaineers in terms of efficiency, smart football, not having the big play but then have to make up for one that kills you. No, this was mostly intelligent football that was efficient, that did what had to be done, a lot more on the ground and maybe through the air, but that's how the game kind of unraveled. And then the defense, while they certainly allowed some points, they didn't play as poor fundamentally as they've been in the last couple of weeks. They didn't miss as many tackles. They played with that aggressiveness again. It really showed that the team, and we've talked about this before, despite this being year five, some players still there that have dealt with it for a while, despite the fans checked out on Neil Brown, Maybe the newcomers, obviously, are still excited, but you had those two games that were bumps in the road after the hot start. This team has not checked out. They listened to everything the coaches said. They answered the bell. They played with heart. They played with aggressiveness. They did what they had to do, and they got the win. And C.J. Donaldson responded with his second-best game of the year, arguably actually best game of the year maybe, even better than the Brawl, certainly best game since the Brawl after he was starting the game as the RB2 On the official depth chart, that that woke him up, and he said that that woke him up, and he got the message, and then he ran hard, and he ran angry that we haven't seen since the pit game. So all of that's great for West Virginia, and that's kind of, I think, how they want to win, how they think the team could be, even kicking-wise and special teams-wise. There was no reason to write anything about the special teams in terms of negativity because there was no blunders on SportsCenter. They did what they had to do. They played well enough, and Michael Hayes was kicking the ball. So it, 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 it wasn't a perfect game. I don't know what the style points will tell you, but they got a pretty big win on the road in what normally is a tough place to play for anybody, no matter what kind of year anybody thinks UCF is having. And it's not going to be easier against BYU, but funny enough, I don't know if you saw this, they played so well, and of course Vegas has been wrong all year. But Vegas is now very <laughs> high.
0: <laughs> I yeah yeah. So I think it started
1: at eight, and now it was nine and a half last night. So I, I, I yeah. Wait, let's let's they let's touch on to that for year.
0: for just a minute because. You're you're because yeah. that is that is true. They have they have underestimated WVU all season in Vegas, and now after this, right. you know the, the they were favored against Oklahoma State, if I recall correctly, and uh, that yeah. did, well, no, and they yeah. were they were favored against Houston, obviously that didn't work out very well. Uh, now they but were, but not by even by that much. Yeah, that's Houston, true.
1: Not a good team this year. That and is Oklahoma true. of course Houston won.
0: But yeah, right. I don't I don't think Vegas is I don't think Vegas has actually had a correct take other than uh, WVU Penn State. And WVU Duquesne, which I'm sure I don't know what the line for that. I think one was. there might have been one
1: more. I think the Texas Tech game, maybe if I looked at it. But yeah, Vegas has been wrong on West Virginia a lot this year. Yeah, and even though I could see maybe favoring them because they're playing well now, they're clicking on offense, and they are at home. BYU is also five and three team, despite under 500 in conference play. BYU has played a tough schedule even before the Big 12. They've been a good program for a long time. Their coach has been there for a while. They are well over five hundred, unlike Neil Brown. And to be a 9.5-point dog, I mean, for anybody who doesn't follow Fred, that spread basically tells you they think there is not a chance under the sun that this game could go BYU. And let me tell you, <laughs> covering the program, I certainly think West Virginia can win. But I would not be bamboozled throwing, you know, falling off my chair if BYU somehow got this victory based on what I'm seeing. So that does make you scratch your head. Like, what are they thinking? I would certainly not recommend betting on West Virginia pretty much this whole season. I, I just, <laughs> it is hard to really tell anybody to go in that direction.
0: I, I, I Listen, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, you want to bet on West Virginia as a dog, I, I think that's fine. But, yeah, betting on West Virginia right. as a favorite feels... Ooh, sketchy, but not that a this big, is a, and, and
1: yeah, yeah, and a big favorite, mind you. Think. It's <laughs> not even just like they think they're going to squeak it. So that was kind of perplexing a little bit to start the week. But there was a lot of positives from that game. You could argue that there are more positive takeaways from that win than from the pit game, than from Texas Tech. Because back then, the offense was impotent, even though the defense was playing with the hair on fire. Now, the offense is doing what you have to, win to do to win in 2023 college football, and the defense is playing okay, They're not what they were, but there's arguably a little bit more sign of optimism from this win than earlier in the season because of what the overall team did. Like Garrett Green even said, he felt like they played a complete game for the first time all year, from offense, friends, special teams, and defense. And you can't just look at points and yards. Jordan Leslie talks about this all the time. When you're evaluating a defense, you have to look at how the game dictated itself so I don't think any defense is going to allow UCF to put up only seven points or have a 17-6 score so to do what they did against that team on the road and did it with a pretty convincing win to go along with it that's all good and that's all positive and and I would imagine if they would have lost yeah the bars would have been really bad and then of course you're flying home and you're going into you know a dreary weather scene after you were just in Florida it just would have been all kinds of bad you would no longer have been even with a winning record that you had for most of the season after Penn State so they did what they had to do i mean that really that was the headline that is the case yes they played well yes there's reason to get to be optimistic a little bit off the game you never know how they're going to respond because we've seen them lay eggs after playing well this season but they got the job done but there's still things to work on, and you know, again, they move on to a team that certainly could cause some problems, regardless of what oddsmakers may suggest.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like, and uh, we'll get into some of what what was talked about yesterday, plus BYU here in a second. Uh, but it, it does seem like, and and we can kind of leave it here. But looking maybe in the future, but it does, you know, it certainly seems like a lot of those players they really liked be like you got a lot of guys from florida uh who play significant roles on this wvu team i think they kind of liked sure. being in front of friends and family that who i mean garrett green said it about his grandmother having never been able to see him play before i mean i i i think there's got to be something to that that has been lost over the years of playing in ames and playing in uh you know, uh, playing in in Manhattan and playing in uh, any of these other Big Twelve cities where West Virginia is typically not heavily recruiting.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, obviously, one road game could be the same to the coaches, but they don't recruit in Iowa. They don't recruit those locations. They never have. They never really will, regardless of where they are conference-wise. And you could argue they shouldn't even because while those programs are good at times. It's not like the best high school player in the country is usually coming from Iowa. They're much more likely to be in Florida. They'd rather recruit Florida athletes. So if you get the number three rated Florida athlete in comparison to his position, you're getting probably the best guy that would be down there in Iowa. So, yeah, they usually do recruit in Florida. They always have. So they have Florida kids. It's great to have them have a game every other year where they can go down and see family. It's also great, of course, for the conference and for W to have UCF and Cincinnati be a little bit of an East Coast team. There are people down there at UCF apart program that were telling us that, you know, I'm sure they would have joined anyway. But having West Virginia there and Cincinnati coming as well, that was part of the sales pitch to them. They might not have actually been excited if it was just them joining a completely Western <laughs> conference. Um, so they 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 like the situation, who knows if this becomes a rivalry either. But it also doesn't always go that way, Alex, because if you recall, Jared Deggie went back to play Texas Tech, and that did not go well.
0: No, so, no, that did not.
1: Sometimes you get up for either playing your program of your family or going home or your former team, and it goes awry. This time it all worked out, and it kind of revitalized the team. So... It worked out, but it doesn't always work out. But it is absolutely nice to have UCF in the conference for a myriad of reasons. I mean, it's a positive thing, no matter how much I, I, you know, joke about what they've claimed in the past. And and for another tidbit, I will say, I think one good thing for the program is I literally talk to people with the program and for people that can make decisions on the field at UCF looking at that press box. And they basically put up everything they've ever won or could even argue for ever in their history. And there were comments made of, we got to do that. We have too much we're not showing. It's embarrassing to have that press box there. So I would not be surprised if seeing that kicks in the pants that you see a press box that's much nicer, much more room on it, isn't just kind of thrown up there where it looks like it barely can stay on the stadium. You see 15 conference championships that they do have in their history up there, which is more than. Most programs throughout history, all of the major bowls. I wouldn't even be shocked if they try to claim 1922. That's been a debate. When they were undefeated, ten wins, only bowl champion. There's a team that's seven and zero that has the title claim. They were ten and zero. I would not be surprised if all of that happened because of what they're seeing other programs do that they never cared about. So I, I think a lot of this is, is moving moving those wheels in motion and also for and aside. None of that would affect the school financially. That money if they did all of that would come from other places. So I, I before anybody goes crazy that way. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's positive of having UCF there. But
0: We uh, they also
1: have a, a team coming in and BYU with a familiar foe, even though it's a program they're not as familiar with. So there's reason to get up for this game as
0: well. Yeah. And we'll talk about that here in just that a second tease for you there. Yeah, we have uh that's uh, you might, you might, I think you do this for a living actually, Mike, uh, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a solid pro move there. Mike Oste of uh, West Virginia sports now managing editor and host of the Mike drop podcast is with us folks talking Mountaineer football. And uh, we obviously, we kind of got the last word in on, on UCF. Let's now switch gears. Mike, uh, Mike uh, appropriately teased, uh, BYU. And uh, as we kind of look ahead, let's look at at, you know, conversations that occurred yesterday. Sounds like that. uh, uh, We're going to obviously need an injury update at some point on, on guys, but it does actually sound like a lot of what Neil Brown had to say echoed a lot of as well what you're saying that that there's a lot really good vibes right now around how the offense played uh in particular the way cj donaldson responded like you said and and of yeah. course garrett green so uh, it sounds like the coaching staff is is uh pretty happy with the way things are going and that the goal is probably now to to just keep doing it
1: 100 i mean the vibes are, are so good right now Alex. that I don't cover every road game. And Neil Brown literally <laughs> told me, Mike, it was great to see you down there. Like, I don't think he would have said that. It was after a loss. So the vibes are good. Yes, they dropped two conference games. They didn't want to drop. But Alex, not only are they right back into having a quote-unquote special year that I think fans have been deeming eight-plus wins, It's very doable right now at five and three with the schedule ahead. Second of all, they're not out of the conference race, even though I'm not going to predict them to go ahead and win it or go play in the conference championship game. But Oklahoma did lose, and they did lose a conference game. So if West Virginia can keep winning, they got to get one or two. They don't got to be one. So they're right back in the thick of things that if they would have lost, they basically would have been totally out of. And, yes, they also were excited about the prospect of BYU, having played them, even the program hasn't played them, in, I believe, I think 2016 was the last game. So, seven years is the only time the programs have ever played. It's a national branded fan base that's going to be kind of cool to deal with. That's why Brown did say the fans need to bring it. That people involved with that church are all over the country. And if they are, they're BYU fans, unless they're alone from somewhere else. So, they have a lot of fans. I think they're a sneaky, really good fan base and a, and a, and a well traveled fan base, even though it's the only East Coast game. And they're facing Keaton Slovis again. So Lee Copa said this. We asked him. I asked him actually if he's aware and if that video gets in his craw that he's tagged in all the time of what Keaton said before the Black Girl Brawl last year of the S West Virginia comment. He said, Yeah. He gets tagged in it every day. He's well aware of it and and he admitted this is different than playing any other quarterback at BYU. Like we beat Pitt. We wish Slovis was there. He wasn't, you know, this is paraphrasing. He wasn't still there, and we didn't get to beat Slovis. Slovis is still zero against us after the comment, so we need to take care of business against Slovis to really get revenge for the brawl. Like, that's kind of was the vibe, especially from the defense. So I do think there's reason that they get up for the game. Although Slovis is playing well this year, by the way. Uh, but I, I think BYU-West Virginia, you would figure, would be nothing. It would just be a game on the schedule. But because the national brand of the fan base, because of the weirdness of BYU and that – that religious church playing at West Virginia, and then Keaton Slovis, there's an intrigue of this. And it's a Saturday night again, you know, the back-on-the-night <laughs> back schedule, it's military appreciation. You, you can't ask for much more, I guess, for West Virginia BYU. And, and it really is another game that's very big deal to both teams. BYU loses, they're basically out of it. And if West Virginia loses, they're going to have a problem. But if they win, they run it up there again.
0: You know, it is it is interesting too because when you look at this schedule, and, and we did kind of say this, and, and this is where also I encourage fans to again, we try to take a macro look whenever we look at this program because if you again look at what was said at the beginning of the season, if you look at what was said even after the team was four and one, it's not that we all thought, oh yeah, they're they're going to roll through this schedule, they, they, lots of easy. It's that there are a bunch of these coin flip games. Maybe with right. a slight Mountaineer, the slightly favored. So there's a slight tilt toward West Virginia. And so if you look at the macro approach, despite everything that happened in those two losses, was that like we have an unhappy camper on, on Mike? You have head. an
1: unhappy kid. She is not happy about the West Virginia victory, <laughs> but she has some food in front of her now.
0: So. Okay. Uh So uh, well, that's You're her. Wrong. I think. I think that's officially sure. that's her morning spiel debut. I yes. think.
1: Oh, uh, it might have been actually. Yes, that might that might be hers. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> her broadcasting. I don't think she'd even been on any of my shows. So congratulations.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, the the point here that I was making though is that we we encouraging fans to take kind of a macro look. This was always going to be sort of that coin. Again, I don't think nine and a half points seems like a lot. This always felt to me yeah. like a coin flip with a mountaineer. Tilt to it with a, a slight weight towards West Virginia, and so is this game winnable? Yes. That also means, with the way we're describing it, it is losable. I, 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 like I think Mountaineer fans should be prepared for the fact that because there's been this really apocalyptic discourse, and I talked about this before you got on the air, got on with us, Mike. That I, the the discourse has been, and I know that some of it gets fueled by very justifiable coverage of Neil Brown. It's year five. This is typically the time where questions about a coach like Brown with his track record would absolutely come up. But it feels like we are living and dying, watching this fan base live and die by each win. And they are it's that that meme, right? Get in losers, we're trusting the climb again. And it, it, it like I feel like I see that nonstop after every single win and and some of it is tongue in cheek, but some of it feels very representative of the West Virginia fan base at the moment, where there's this sort of Yo-yo seesaw discourse that goes back and forth, and 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 that's why I encourage when you look at this, like don't don't come into this game with the mindset that West Virginia, like this is a must-win, or that West Virginia win or loss, Uh like they they're both probab- probability-wise, both are very much there in my mind. This is not a game that WVU should come in as a nine and a half point. Like that's crazy to me. That's definitely crazy, but.
1: The other end of it is, it is yeah, this is not year three. Like this, I think the difference also is the discourse on living and dying by every win and the commentary on Neil Brown started occurring well before it normally does, or at least could reasonably. Like The year he won the Liberty Bowl, there were people out on Neil Brown, just like they were out on Daniel Holkis earlier in his career that included an Orange Bowl win. West Virginia fans have arguably been a little spoiled by the Rich Rodriguez era, And anything shy of nine wins a season, they're done with. (laughs) So this was a a different era for sure. It included COVID. It included the transfer portal. It included NIL. These are all things previous coaches had not had to deal with that Neil Brown and the program didn't expect when they hired him. Those excuses apply to every program around the country, as people would say. So they don't apply in terms of giving an excuse. They're not legit to bring on necessarily. But they also are facts. And you get now in year five, you can't change the past. I could certainly have understood if they pulled the plug and would have fired him last year. They didn't, and I can tell you, and I had this confirmed again for me because I randomly was on the plane to and from with a family of a pretty top recruit of the 2023 class who's on the current team, and they flat confirmed to me that if Neil Brown was fired, they they would, have, they would not be at WVU right now. They had another school in mind. They would be there. So Neil Brown staying maybe at the end of the day if the program could win if they could finish the job, if they could provide a record that fans can be comfortable with at least this year from 5-7 and seven last year, it might save the future of the program in terms of those young players that are already contributing, the Jaheim Weiss, the Gallagher's, Gallagher's, et etc. So, who knows? But fans, fans do live and die if they lose. doesn't matter who, too, even after Penn State. Fans want them fired. It's year five. It's enough is enough. If they win, it's either well, the opponent had these problems, Like now all the previous wins are devalued because it's been awful and Texas Tech's been average, etc. And they're not really excited. Or there are some that trust the climb too much and say, okay, 4-1, and you've got to get 10 wins out of it. So to say we're in a collective, this goes even to media too, where everyone's being reasonable is probably not accurate. <laughs> but partic- particularly of this game, it is one of those coin flip games I do think the benefit is on the schedule by beating UCF, and it would have also been the case if they beat Oklahoma State or Houston like they should have. You do have Cincinnati on the schedule. They've not been good. You do have Baylor on the schedule before the season closes. They've not been good. They've certainly been vulnerable. You beat them last year. There was a path to six wins without UCF. And now, if you certainly win the coin flips, plus winning some games that are very winnable that you're probably going to be heavily favored in, but unless you turn it over and give up 17 points, you're probably going to win, that would be a path to eight wins or even more. So the schedule now does get more favorable than it was, and it is in front of the Mountaineers. And I also think, Alex, to be fair to the conversation on Brown, the way they lost the games, with the punt return, blunder and admitting the players weren't ready, and saying they're mentally in the bye, and then having a player get suspended, and then the whole commentary on, you know, we just got out of ourselves, and I didn't properly have the schedule right because they didn't have structure. Like, I appreciate Neil Brown being so honest and very retrospective every week. But you could understand how a fan would say, Neil, you're just admitting you did everything wrong. Like, you're still getting $4 million. I'm sorry, you can't just not do a schedule for a week and then say, my bad. (laughs) So I I get it from every perspective under the sun. But if they do win, if I mean, I will tell you, I've always thought this going into the season. I know they started four and one. If they got into a bowl game, certainly if they got above that and got to seven or more wins, I do think they're going to stay the course. The program does like Brown. So I still believe that. But when you start four and one, six wins is probably not enough to keep him. But now they're one away. Like they're one win away. And it could be this week. That would get them bowl eligibility. You know the program is historic enough and has tons of fans, but if they get six, they're getting invited, and they're going to go. So it would be a jump from last year under most circumstances if this was not year five and how frustrated the fan base is. We'll see where they end. That wouldn't be enough by itself to make everyone happy. But they do have a lot that I think could create a little bit more trust in the climb in front of them because of this win, as you see. It makes up for a little bit. Of what happened the previous two weeks. Yeah.
0: Hey, Mike, I really appreciate all the time you've given us this morning. Real quick before I let you go, uh, do you have any uh quick updates on Mountaineer basketball? We're of course uh closing in on the season and uh for Mountaineer fans, it has been uh it was an off season that was full of stuff. And now the preseason has been full of stuff as well, whether it be yeah. uh, the waiver situation uh, with Raekwon Battle or uh, whether a cook, a cook the other night and hoping he's OK. he sounds like he's doing all right. But now I imagine his playing status for the season is, is up in the air. Uh, we'll have to see. But but just any any quick thoughts there on on Mountaineer basketball before I let you go as as uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of things.
1: Yeah, and and even after the Huggins drama, they kind of were able to stabilize enough of the roster, and then bring other guys in. They thought they were going to get more with waivers. So at that point, some were still saying, "Okay, they're a tournament team." Honestly, now and where projections are, they're probably more in the middle of the pack of the conference. If certain games go go poorly, maybe they're lower. I think a tournament thing would be a great season. In reality, based on an interim coach and what's gone on and the roster. I probably would predict they miss out on the NCAA Tournament. I think the depths won't be there. I mean, Josh Eiler, like Neil Brown, has been very honest. I don't know if you heard last week when he literally said, yeah, our depth is going to be a problem. I think we're we'll kind of an average team. we we'll are probably middle of the pack. Like, don't get too excited. It was one of those comments and press conferences where you're sitting there saying, man, uh, I'm not sure why fans are going to go to games here. <laughs> Josh, you got to try to sell the tickets <laughs> here, or not even at week one. But I think they're probably going to be average and miss the tournament. Maybe in NIT... Maybe they'll get there if things go right. I think the depth will be a problem. I think rebounding outside of Edwards will be a problem. Battles waiver has a, this isn't just a rumor now. It has officially been put in, in terms of the appeal, they've officially put the appeal in of trying to, to get that waiver approved. I can't say I'm optimistic there. And a Coca-Cola. yeah, we don't know about his status now, but it does appear he'll be fine, at least health-wise, as a person. But that was scary to start of preseason. Well, everybody, half the media was in Orlando, and then, you see that news. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, everyone will have close eyes on the season. And if it doesn't go well, like the football program, Alex, even more so, because the interim tag's there. It's in every billboard under the sun. If they start out slow, or by Christmas, they're really not looking like a tournament team, how much longer do they go with Eiler? Ren Baker's likely getting on the phone and doing calls, whether it's under the radar or in out in the open. And it's pretty clear they're going to have a new direction of that basketball program, and I'll leave you with this. Who would have thought, say, six months ago before the Huggins drama, Alex, that if somebody would have said a year a year later, do you think the basketball program that just came off the NCAA tournament or the football program that was just missing a bowl game, which is below the standard of the Mountaineers, would be looking for a new coach and a new direction? Everyone would have said, football, Neil Brown, year five, it's been under 500, it hasn't been good enough. Very likely, Neil Brown could stay the course, and the basketball program could be the one totally looking for a new voice and a new direction and a new era. So that's weird that nobody would have predicted, but that season's here nonetheless.
0: Yeah, This is why they play the games, Mike. This is this is exactly why, because you're 100% right about that. Hey, real quick, uh, plug some stuff before we let you go.
1: Sure. Again, mic drop everywhere you get your podcasts. And then, uh, of course, WB Sports Now for the coverage of both the football, basketball program, soccer program, everything else going on around Mountain View Athletics, and yeah, it's why they play the games, and also why you need to be on your social media feed on Friday nights when news of what happens off the field and away from the games generally occurs and affects the program. Yeah, That's the case the previous four or five months, kind of when they drop news, and it's usually not good. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see, and now it is about the games on the court, on the field here coming up, but... I also did tell the friend that I saw in Florida that used to pie, By the way, he, he did ask about.
0: It. Yeah, he, he's a good dude. He's, uh, I, is he is he working at a station down there now?
1: Yeah, he's a W E W S down there from Milwaukee down to that TV station. He actually even showed me. You can look this up on Google for anybody. My friend I'm talking about is the guy that during the storm there, I believe a year or so ago, he actually went viral because he took he put a nurse on his back while he was at a live <laughs> shot in the middle. Uh, a puddle of water, to say the very, very least, on the road. He showed me that area where he did that. So, yeah, great dude for sure. Great trip down there. Mountaineers did get a victory for the fans. And buckle your seatbelt and get your popcorn ready because there's still a lot of intrigue the rest of this football season and going to be tons of it on the hardwood for the Mountaineers basketball-wise as well.
0: Uh, absolutely. Mike, really appreciate it. Go enjoy some uh, some morning time with your daughter and uh, really appreciate it as always. Man, we'll talk with you next week.